Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of 1 Timothy. Today is episode 672, and we're looking at 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 to 15. Let's read our passage. Therefore, I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or argument. Also, the women are to dress themselves in modest clothing, with decency and good sense, not with elaborate hairstyles, gold pearls, or expensive apparel, but with good works, as is proper for women who profess to worship God. A woman is to learn quietly with full submission. I do not allow a woman to teach or to have authority over a man. Instead, she is to remain quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and transgressed. But she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with good sense. This is Paul's letter to Timothy. Paul is in Philippi, and he has left Timothy in Ephesus. And he's sending this letter to Timothy with his assignment. And his assignment is to oppose the false teachers. The false teachers are caught up in speculations concerning myths and endless genealogies. And Paul says, our teaching is love, and it's grounded with a pure heart, good conscience, and sincere faith. And the standards for teaching is the gospel. The standard for salvation is, like Paul, that is a sinner coming to faith and experiencing forgiveness. The last time he talked about praying for all people to be saved, he's beginning from there and moving forward to public worship and how the church acts when the church comes together. Verse 8, he says, therefore, okay, therefore, referring to the praying for all people to be saved. Therefore, I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or argument. So I want the men in every place. What's he mean there? He's talking about as they gather for worship, because it's not just a church in Ephesus. There's a variety of house churches. You can only fit so many people in a house. And so there's a lot of house churches meeting throughout Ephesus and the area. So in every one of those places, I want the men to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or argument. Well, is this a command that the the way to pray is to lift hands? No, because lifting up hands was a way the Jews prayed, and because of that, the early church prayed that way. So it's not that's the required way to pray. The key word is holy. So as you guys pray, lifted your hands, make sure they're holy hands. That is, is you guys are morally pure. They talked about the attributes associated with teaching and love, grounded in pure heart, good conscience and sincere faith, a similar kind of thing here. Okay, and live that out. You guys should have holy hands. So when you're praying, lifting your hands up, I want those to be holy hands, without anger or argument. This referring to their attitude toward one another. Unity is a big deal to Paul. Men coming together to pray, lifting their hands up, their hands should be holy, and there shouldn't be argument and anger amongst them. Verse 9, also the women are to dress themselves in modest clothing with decency and good sense, not with elaborate hairstyles, gold pearls, or expensive apparel, but 
but with good works, as is proper for women who profess to worship God. Okay, sometimes when we approach a, a passage in the Bible, we're going to turn it into a recipe. And, and this is not a recipe. The, the point here is good sense. That's the key takeaway there. So modest, decency, good sense. So is this not to say you can't wear nice clothes, not to say you can't have a nice hairstyle, not to say you can't have jewelry. What it says is women should dress modestly, decently, and with good sense. It's hard to say exactly what was going on. There's some studies that say, okay, there was a, a line of thought running amok through the Roman Empire of the new woman. And it was women casting off basically societal restraints and doing what they want to do and basically abandoning all kinds of moral constraints as far as their sexual habits and their clothing styles. Anything that runs rampant, people in the church are going to be falling into it also. And so is Paul dealing with this? It's hard to say exactly what was going on, but the point is something was going on. And Paul's command here is, okay, be modest, be decent, act in good sense. Because this is the church coming together. And it would be the same mode for us today is, okay, when you guys come together for worship, don't be immodest in your clothing. Don't be crazy in your clothing. Don't be trying to draw attention to yourself in your clothing and hairstyle and jewelry. Modest, decent, good sense. Instead of focusing on how you look, focus on what you're doing for the Lord. Verses 11 through 15 are, are difficult to understand and also then to apply to our situation today. Verse 11, a woman is to learn quietly with full submission. Well, learn quietly. Um, does that mean without uttering a peep, or is that more of an attitude of quietly listening versus being a busybody or running around doing things, but to learn? Which is actually somewhat different than the Jewish mindset that the women were not really supposed to learn. So here, they are to learn, but do so quietly with full submission. Now, submission was something we dealt with in Ephesians, talk about the relationship between husband and wife. Here it adds full submission. And the question is, who? Best guess is he's really referring to the authorities of the church, the church authorities, because he's talking about the church gathered here, the, the teaching session of the church. And so submission to the teaching authorities of the church. Verse 12, I do not allow a woman to teach or to have authority over a man. Instead, she is to remain quiet. Now, this is vexed people for years, and the question, how do you understand this? Well, it, it kind of says what it says. And the question is, what's going on here? What's the background, and how limiting and permanent is this injunction? The word you translate as authority has a nuance of teaching authority. So I do not allow a woman to teach or to have teaching authority over a man. Instead, she is to remain quiet. So this seems to reserve the public teaching in the church to men. And there's no way to really dance around it. You can try and make some 
explanations here say, well, that's what Paul doesn't allow. But Paul speaking is the authority of an apostle here. And then his reasoning for it makes it more than just, well, this is my own personal way I do things. You can do things the way you want to do it. He explains that it's part of creation and the, the Genesis story is what's behind all this. He says, for Adam was formed first, then Eve. So here he's applying the creation order. So this isn't just a cultural thing now. It becomes a, a created reality. Verse 14, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and transgressed. So does this mean part of the punishment for women for Eve's sin is they can't lead the public teaching in the church? No, what he's saying is that's what happens when roles are ignored. And it goes back to the idea of the relationship between a husband and wife. There are roles. Men and women are different, and they have different roles in the family and in the church. And he's saying when you start ignoring the roles that God has assigned, you get into trouble. And that's what happened with Adam and Eve. Now, verse 15 a lot of debate about verse 15. But she will be saved through childbearing. Well, the she here is still singular. And, and some people read this as women are saved through childbearing. Well, that just doesn't make sense. And it doesn't match anything else that talks about salvation. No, you're not saved through anything you do. You're only saved through faith in Jesus Christ. But the she is singular here, and I think the best understanding is it ties back to Eve. Eve will be saved through childbearing, because what did God tell Adam and Eve when the disobedience happened in the Garden of Eden? He said to Satan that her seed, referring to Eve, will bruise you on the head, and we all understand that's looking ahead to Christ. Salvation will come through Christ. And we saw that even in Genesis 3.15, where God says that through her seed, Satan will be defeated, referring to the coming of the Christ, who will bring salvation. So she, Eve, will be saved through childbearing, that is, returning to her role within the family, because they got into trouble with her stepping out of her role and leading Adam into sin, although it's not that Adam went unwillingly, but that's why he was ultimately held responsible. But salvation will come through the Savior to come when Eve returns to her role within the family. Then it shifts to plural. If they continue in faith, love, and holiness with good sense. So they, I think that's back to women in general. And so she'll be saved through childbearing. Eve will be saved through the, the Savior to come, which actually then was accomplished through Mary. She bore Jesus, who is the Messiah, and brings salvation. So that is fulfilled. But you don't experience it until you personally come to faith in Christ. And I think then that's the shift he's making here in the middle of verse 15. Women, then, in general, will be saved, continuing in faith, love, holiness, with good sense. Now, it's the same for everyone, not just women, but he's talking about women in this particular paragraph. 
So this would be salvation experienced. Key word there, with good sense. So what's the takeaway here? Well, he's talking about the gathering for worship. He's worried about how the church looks to outsiders. Not that we have to change our doctrine or faith or anything to look good and be accepted, but he, he is concerned about how the church is perceived by outsiders back when pray for the authorities in the government so that we can live our faith out loud so that people can see our faith and be influenced by our practice of Christianity. So now he's concerned that the church isn't being crazy. So when you guys gather together, I'm concerned about men fighting with each other, and I'm concerned about women trying to call attention to themselves by how they're dressing and acting. I want things to be done decently and with good sense. We don't want non-believers to see the church and say, they are crazy. We want them to say, hey, they're crazy about Christ. Now, the prohibition against women teaching in the church, that's part of gender roles. Men and women are different and have different roles within the family and different roles within the church. And the public teaching role within the church is assigned to men. But that's as far as the public gathered assembly teaching. He does say elsewhere, he actually charges women to teach other women how to live as Christian women. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through 1 Timothy.